This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. My next guest is Peter Fabricius, whose name is almost certainly well known to many of you. Uh, Peter's had a long journalism career with newspapers as a foreign correspondent, and most recently he also uh, writes fairly frequently for the Daily Maverick, and he does articles and studies uh, for the Institute for Strategic Studies as well. And the topic I wanted to ask Peter to talk to a bit is because he knows the ins and outs of how South Africa has reached the decisions that it has in international relations terms in its dealing with Russia, Ukraine, and the hostilities that are taking place as we talk. Peter, tell me why the South African government is so reluctant to even utter the name Russia together with the word hostilities. Yeah, South Africa's position is, as I put it the other day, in a similar kind of engagement, both sort of ambiguous and ambivalent, I think, if you know what I mean. So it's sometimes difficult to figure out where they stand, and sometimes you get the sense they're not quite sure quite themselves what position to take. To be honest with you, I mean, when I say ambiguous, they, they, their position has been that on the day of the actual invasion, the start of the invasion on February 24th, they did to their credit, I suppose you'd have to say, issue a statement in which they asked with Russia, demanded or called on Russia to withdraw, and respect Ukraine's territorial integrity, etc. Uh, but then they've taken these positions at the General Assembly and so on of not wishing to condemn and uh, reminding everybody that Russia also has security interests about the expansion of NATO. To some degree, it's to do with the, their old allegiances, you know, uh, the fact that Russia, though in a completely different format, the Soviet Union helped the struggle militarily and financially. And it's also to do on other issues as well. You'll see the, see the same approach, which is like a, a kind of a, a non-aligned approach. You know, both sides of the party have causes to, of concern and we have to balance them and we have to say this and we have to say that. So uh, sometimes they, to me, they fail to raise, rise to the occasion as they should have at the General Assembly just to say, well, this is terrible. This country's invaded a small neighbor, rolled tanks and killed its civilians and so on. And that's, that's what you needed to say at that occasion, but they didn't. You know? Is this really a, a throwback to a relationship between the governing party and the old Soviet Union pre-1992? Is there something else at play here? Or is it simply a, a bit of romantic nostalgia that gets translated yeah. into foreign policy? It is a degree of that. And, it, and it, there are nuances and, and these gradations. If you look at statements by, by different members of the ANC, some of them say, we've always been for Russia, you know, and that's who we are kind of thing. And then others will say it's really, it's more like balance of power politics. We don't want, uh, you know, they even today, and that's why I think one of the main reasons why South Africa joined BRICS was because they felt that there needed to be something, some powers in the world that were counteracting, counterbalancing, or counter whatever, acting as some sort of counter to the what they perceived as the U.S. dominance of the world or the, or the Western dominance in the world. So that's really how the old nostalgia and the current thinking about the, the, the balance of power, the global balance of power, which is an expression you you always see in the ANC's international policy statements, how those two connect up, you know, linking the nostalgia with the, the present in their minds. You know? yeah, now, does this in turn 
put them in an awkward position as the hostilities eventually come to an end in some way, shape, or form. They will have been seen as being on the Russian island in spite of what was done to Ukraine and its people uh, and the fabric of international relations. Are they, uh, are they going to find themselves in an awkward position going forward? Yeah, I think so. You know, the, you, if you talk to Western governments, I talk to ambassadors quite a lot, and you'll find that some of them, most of them do not seem to be amazed at South Africa's position. It's kind of, they, they see it as being consistent with this non-aligned approach that South Africa takes more generally. It's quite hard to predict right now what long-range effect it will have on relations between South Africa and Western countries. I mean, it can't be helped. And it might be part of that steady sort of, I think, erosion perhaps of, of credibility that South African foreign policy has been experiencing, I think, for the last 20 years or something. But I'm, I'm not sure that it will uh, lead to any kind of rupture in, you know, or anything as dramatic as that. I don't think so in, in our relations with the West. I'm a bit of a nostalgia person for the old line of a principled, highly moral foreign policy. That seems to have gone entirely by the boards. Yeah. You know, sometimes you do have to have, you have to sort of, I suppose, suspend your one's credit, you know, uh, incredulity. And if you look at, you mentioned that they didn't even want to mention Russia. I think you're probably referring to the thing that's going to be voted on today, actually, a resolution in the UN General Assembly on providing humanitarian aid to Ukraine. Now, the West produced a, a text that was very critical of Russia, and Russia figures very prominently, which many people would think was obvious. And South Africa has proposed, and I don't know where it stands right now, because we're a few hours behind, but uh, they are a few hours behind. But it took Russia out of the text because they said uh, that this would be the only way to get a resolution that was generally agreed, and, and which Russia would agree to. Because, I mean, if you're going to have humanitarian aid being um, provided to Ukraine, obviously Russia has to agree to it. I don't know. What do you think of that argument? I mean, it's kind of got a certain logic to it. It has a logic to it, but it also runs, to my mind at least, and maybe I'm uh, prejudiced, that there are moments in history where you, yeah. you put down a chip, a marker, and said, this is wrong and we have to yeah. call it out. It is tricky. Funny enough, somebody said to me, oh, well, we don't need to mention Russia here because the UN General Assembly has already, you know, soundly condemned Russia uh, for its aggression in that same resolution which South Africa abstained from. You know, so it's, it's a kind of strange logic in a way. Uh, and it's very much buried in that pain that the UN actually produces in such vast volumes. Yeah, well, I mean, you're familiar with the way the UN generates uh, paper like yeah. nobody's business and reams of reports and uh, resolutions mm. which don't seem to go anywhere. But what do you make of the fact that within the South African government itself, there appear to have been two very different ideas about what its own position should be? First, there was a, a sort of a non-committal statement that was blah, and then there was something that was pretty straightforward. Then the Durko minister was wrapped on the knuckles, and then we were back to version one, volume yeah. two. That's a good uh, example of the ambiguity, because in this case, is it ambiguity or ambivalence? And, and we're not sure, because I know what you're referring to. We, we had that statement on the 24th, a few hours after the invasion began, which was issued by Durka, Department of International Relations and Cooperation, and which called for Russia to withdraw and to respect Ukraine's territorial integrity, sovereignty, etc. 
Then on the Sunday, we had a Sunday Times saying that Ramaphosa was unhappy with that statement and that he'd kind of wrapped Pandor on the knuckles and apologized to the Russians, etc. Now, to be honest, I was never able to independently confirm if that's what happened. And someone told me, but someone who I think might have been defending Pandor, that Ramaphosa was with that uh, statement of the 24th all the way. So I began to think that maybe this was President Ramaphosa playing a game, which he has played on a number of other occasions, which is like trying to have your cake and eat it, you know. And it's been pointed out, for example, that that statement of the 24th has never been rescinded. Okay, it would be quite a dramatic thing to rescind a statement and effectively is still policy. Yeah, because that was the fullest, most uh, detailed version of where they stood. They would say it's not inconsistent with what they subsequently said, because but I mean, you know, we could obviously disagree with that. But, they, you know, when it came to that General Assembly resolution, they're saying that, um, well, this resolution, because it's now, you know, aiming to uh, address the situation constructively or should be, therefore should also have included uh, Russia's security concerns and one or two other, you know, bells and whistles. And then it would have been a, a more sort of balanced statement that they could have supported. Now, as I said, to me, the occasion was that condemn this terrible aggression because that's what it is. And that's what the world can see. And that's what most nations, 141 of them, obviously decided to do. But South Africa was still at its old game of nitpicking about the subparagraph B, you know? Peter, time is running against us, but let me give you, if you have, <laughs> if you have a, a way of prognosticating where this goes vis-a-vis the South African government, maybe 30 seconds on that? Well, look, I mean, the curiosity now is, is President Ramaphosa referred to uh, the fact that he'd been asked and didn't say who asked him to mediate. So I don't see that as being very realistic, but it'll be quite interesting to see if he does that. And, and there's a, also a report from the Ukrainian ambassador that he's requested a call with Zelensky to balance his call with Putin. So that's, to me, the space to watch. Yeah, well, as it is truly said, eventually all wars do come to an end and there's eventually a settlement of some type or other and other people get to have their say. Fabricius, veteran foreign correspondent, analyst, uh, writes for the Daily Maverick now, provides uh, analysis for the Institute for Strategic Studies, somebody who you go to for an observation, a deep observation about the way South Africa's foreign policy interacts with the rest of the world. Peter, thanks very much. Enjoy your vacation. Sure, Brooks. Thanks very much.